This is the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover. And I'm Chris Katolka. And as we begin, I'll remind you to visit foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org to get your free one-year subscription to our beautifully designed and informative magazine, Israel, My Glory. If you love Israel and the Jewish people and you value great Bible teaching, visit foiradio.org or you can call our listener line and ask for your free trial subscription to Israel My Glory magazine. Call 888-343-6940 to order your copy. Quickly again, that's 888-343-6940. Today on the program, we're going to look at Psalm 51, a prayer of forgiveness from the heart of King David. And then we're going to look at the remaining hours of the Obama administration and what he did when he released more than $220 million for the Palestinian Authority. And then apples of gold. But first the news. Palestinian terrorist organization Hamas says it's changed its tune. In the past, Hamas has called for the genocide of the Jewish people around the world. Hamas spokesperson Osama Hamdan said they are rewriting their policy in a way that will remove its anti-Semitic language. However, Hamdan admits that they are still against the state of Israel. Erasing the anti-Semitic language from their agenda sounds nice, but I believe it's nothing more than a political stunt to make the rest of the world think Hamas is changing for the good. The truth of the matter is that Hamas still wishes to see Israel wiped off the map, which is just another form of anti-Semitism. I don't expect to see much change from the Palestinian leadership coming out of the Gaza Strip anytime soon. Thank you, Chris. If you would like more news from Israel, be sure to visit foiradio.org. Now we join Chris as he opens God's Word to Psalm 51. If you know anything about King David from the Bible, I'm sure one thing that pops in your mind is not his greatest accomplishments. And let me remind you, he had many great accomplishments. You know, David unified the tribes of Israel when they were angry with one another. He established Jerusalem as Israel's capital. He pushed back the enemies of Israel, and he moved the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. David did so many amazing things as the king of Israel, yet the one thing that sticks out the most and the thing that we seem to remember is his greatest failure with Bathsheba. When he committed the act of adultery and then went on to kill Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, to cover it all up. I think we're drawn to David's failure with Bathsheba because we know we are all capable of this kind of failure, and we identify with this prayer from Psalm 51. We identify with David's faults. In Psalm 51, David opens up to God, and he he really opens up to the reader, too. He opens up to all of us. He He lets us in on one of his darkest moments in life. And the first thing to understand about David's sin with Bathsheba is this. There was no sacrifice for his act of adultery and murder. When the book of Leviticus lays out the various sacrifices for the covering of sins, you realize the sins being mentioned in Leviticus are actually talking about unintentional sins, sins that are committed unintentionally. David's sin with Bathsheba and Uriah were completely intentional. He knew exactly what he was doing step by step. His sin was extremely calculated. So as a result, 
There is no sacrifice for David's sin. This is an important background to Psalm 51. Just listen to what David says here, because David's going to begin to pour out his heart because he knows that he could lose everything because of what he did with Bathsheba and Uriah. He knows that he could lose his kingship. He knows that he could lose his life. If you were convicted of adultery or murder under the law during the days of David, your punishment is death. David should have been stoned to death for his actions. And to show you what I mean, listen to what David says in Psalm 51, verse 16, in light of the fact that there is no sacrifice for David. Listen to what it says here, Psalm 51, verse 16. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offerings. David is admitting There is nothing for him to offer God for forgiveness. If there was, he would offer it. Yet David knew something important about God, and this is what I love about David. He knew that there was one thing that he could fall back on for forgiveness. Listen to how David follows up knowing that there is no sacrifice available to him in verse 17. Listen to what he says. The sacrifices that you desire, God, are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. David knew that there was no sacrifice for him under the Old Testament law, only death. But there was an abundance of God's mercy. There was no sacrifice, but there was definitely an abundance of God's mercy. And that's why David could say to the Lord in the beginning of Psalm 51, listen to this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. David knew God was a loving and merciful God. And the reason he knew that was because David read God's word. David recalled when God told Moses in the book of Exodus that out of his mercy, he would forgive the iniquities of many. And so David knew that despite the fact that there was no sacrifice for him to offer for his sin, there was no bull, there was no goat, he knew that God was still capable of forgiving him because of what God had said about his character in the book of Exodus. David's psalm is a reminder for us that even in our worst moments, when we fail miserably, and we feel like there's no way back to God, that we realize God's grace is greater than our sin. Sin that we've not dealt with can creep into every aspect of our lives, and it it can be debilitating to our spiritual and physical well-being. David said in Psalm 51 verse 7 that this sin that he committed made him feel dirty and stained Because deep down, he knew his actions were wrong, and that guilt that he had was building up. In verse 8, David said that this ongoing sin prevented him from hearing joy and gladness, which when you begin to unpack that in verse 8, David is saying that this sin caused depression in his life, and that finally, this sin is bone-crushing. It actually took a physical toll on him. My friends, sin takes no prisoners. 
it not only affects our relationship with God and our spiritual state of mind, it can take a physical toll on us as well. Sin can physically make us feel as though we are enduring a bone-crushing experience. And for David to come out from under the pressure of his sin, he knew he needed to admit his brokenness to God. He knew he needed forgiveness. This is the most difficult part of forgiveness. But the most important is this. You need to admit that you were wrong. Admitting to God that you were wrong and that his ways are right and show that you have a heart that is broken and contrite. This is the most important part. Admitting that you have to look outside yourself for truth. Admitting that God is right and you are wrong is the starting point of forgiveness. And the beauty is that forgiveness is something that's instant. The moment you ask God for forgiveness, he will forgive you. But then it begins the process of restoration, of restoring you. Remember, the grace of God is seen in every aspect of this psalm. If there is one king that doesn't deserve the grace of God, it's David. David's sin, I believe, is worse than Saul's sin, and I believe it's worse than Solomon's sin. David willingly committed adultery with Bathsheba and then actively sought to cover up the sin by killing Bathsheba's husband. Yet God spared David. Why? Because, see, one thing that we're beginning to see in Psalm 51 is that God's character embodies the characteristics of mercy and grace. God's mercy coupled with David's will to plead God to forgive him produces restoration. God doesn't want us to wallow in our sin. He he wants us to be restored and changed. Asking God for forgiveness is the first step toward this restoration. Remember what David said? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. It's amazing to think that despite David's sin, God still considered him a man after his own heart. How could a man that committed such ghastly sins still be considered a man after God's own heart? I think it's simple to understand. See, unlike King Saul or King Solomon, David recognized his place in God's big picture. David recognized that he was merely a representative of the true king of Israel, God. See, Saul and Solomon thought they were the end-all, be-all of power. And this led to their demise because they didn't have a broken and contrite heart. However, despite David's sin, God lifted him high because he humbled himself. David knew his place in God's plan. He knew that even though he was called King David, God himself was actually the true king. And as a result, he always pointed people, King David always pointed people to God and not to himself. How are you responding to God in your failures? I think it's a natural tendency to want to shield ourselves from God when we failed like David, when instead, God's actually asking us to embrace him and to embrace forgiveness, not to fight him, but to admit he was right all along. And it's not until that we admit that God is right and we are wrong that we find the peace of God we've been longing for. It's not until that we admit God is right and we are wrong that that bone-crushing feeling that sin puts on us disappears. 
And it's not until we admit God is right and we are wrong that we find joy and gladness again. David gave us a template for a prayer of forgiveness. And and true forgiveness, my friends, only comes by the grace of God who gave us his son, Jesus Christ, who bore our shame and guilt on the cross so that we might find forgiveness and experience restoration. Now, here's my call to you and a call that David made when he experienced the undeserving forgiveness of God. Go and share with all your friends the amazing sacrifice of Christ and that in that sacrifice, they might find freedom that comes with having a broken and contrite heart. From the beginning to the end, the book of Judges chronicles a very depressing moment in Israel's history. The people lost sight of the God who promised them rest and peace in the land of Israel, and instead they worshiped idols. God, unwilling to let his people wallow in their sins, sent imperfect judges to rescue them from their enemies. Journey to the time of the judges and examine the lives of four deliverers found in the Hebrews Hall of Heroes, Barak, Gideon, Jephthah, and Samson, in Elwood McQuaid's book, Not to the Strong. Steve, you and I have talked about this book. What about it impacted your life? Yeah, Chris, the influence Not to the Strong had on my life was the reminder of how God uses flawed and perfect people, much like David, who you were just speaking about. This book showed me that the flaws in my own life, my doubts, fears, even past sins, things that I thought would prohibit God's work, that he can use them for his glory. Not to the strong, it's practical, it's insightful, and I highly recommend it. Thanks, Steve. To get your copy of the book, Not to the Strong, visit our website, foiradio.org, or you can call our toll-free number, 888-343-6940, to order your copy of Not to the Strong. In his remaining hours as president of the United States, Barack Obama authorized a transfer of more than $220 million to the Palestinian Authority. This money allocated to the Palestinian Authority actually had a congressional hold placed on it. And yet Obama saw fit to overstep that congressional authority by releasing the funds in his final moments as president. Now, Congress saw fit to freeze this money to the Palestinians Because they, the Palestinians, sought to unilaterally establish a state apart from direct negotiations with Israel. And as Dr. Jonathan Shanzer of the Foundation for Defense of Democracies told Business Insider, the easiest way to sum it up is that Congress had been looking at various behaviors from Palestine. Unilateral attempts at statehood, corruption, incitement of violence, and paying salaries to people in jail for terrorism. And that's why the hold has been there. GOP lawmakers like Ed Royce from California, chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, and Kay Granger of Texas, who sits on the House Appropriations Committee, 
were the ones who proposed placing a hold on the fund. So those funds, the $220 million, were, were held at bay. As soon as the word got out, though, that Obama released this money, President Trump stopped the transfer of funds from taking place. And I say good for President Trump. And here's the reasons why I think the Palestinian Authority shouldn't get this money. First, they're unwilling to sit down with the Netanyahu government to talk peace. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu offered to sit down with the Palestinians to talk about a long-term peace deal. However, the problem lies in that the Palestinians are unwilling to sit down and do the hard work of negotiating with Israel. Israel has shown time after time that they can be flexible and negotiate with the Palestinians. You know, just think about this. Within the past 16 years, Israel actually offered the Palestinians more than 95 to 97 percent of the West Bank as a homeland, along with financial compensation for the remainder of the land that that would have been there, that three to five percent. In 2008, Israel was even willing to give East Jerusalem as the future capital of a Palestinian state. And, you know, for any politician who has ever had their hands in the dirt trying to build peace between the Israelis and Palestinians, they knew that this was as good as it gets. This is the Cadillac of peace deals. Yet the Palestinian Authority turned it down. They turned down this once-in-a-lifetime deal. Why? Because for the Palestinian Authority, it's really not about creating a state in the West Bank for the betterment of their people It's about making sure that there is no Israel. It's the reason Palestinians even today refuse to acknowledge Israel as a Jewish state. Because if they do that, if they do acknowledge Israel as a Jewish state, then they concede that the land of Israel is Jewish and not Muslim. Also, it should be noted that the Palestinian Authority, which has has control over the Palestinians in the West Bank, signed an agreement with Hamas in Gaza back in 2014. This means that the quote-unquote moderate Palestinian Authority and Hamas are bedfellows. Hamas is a recognized terrorist organization. And this is unacceptable. American taxpayer dollars should not be funding a government that partners with a terrorist regime and one that is riddled with corruption. So I think President Trump made the right decision to freeze the payments to the Palestinian Authority. Our funding should be used as a negotiating tool to bring the Israelis and Palestinians to the table to actually have to hash out a peace plan that works for the both of them, not just for the Palestinians who are working to sidestep all of the negotiations and go right to the UN. So my friends, keep your eyes and ears open on what this new administration is going to do with Israel. I think this new administration is making the right steps for both Israelis and Palestinians. Because remember, whatever philosophy the past three administrations had, it definitely didn't seem to work. So maybe something new will produce different results. Results that will benefit everyone. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. While Svi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Svi. Here in Israel, 
believers experience much discrimination. We are reminded of what the Lord endured when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. My children do very well in school. Two of them were chosen because of their scholastic achievements to travel as part of a group to Europe. Their teacher promised them they would be able to go and told them to prepare for the trip. But today when I returned home, I noticed something was wrong. They were unhappy. What has happened? I asked them. Father, we were told we could not go to Europe, one said. I knew this was discrimination, but I was not surprised. I received the news calmly and said to my children, Maybe this is God's will. Be strong in spirit and pray. I went to the school to inquire about the so-called justice for all. I went to the office and spoke to the director. Before you tell me, I know why you have come. It all depended on luck. This time they cannot go. I am sorry. Do not tell me you are sorry. But you do not know divine justice. And you will not until you know the Lord. Then all of this discrimination will change. What has been done against my children is because people have no faith. Without faith, man can do nothing. What is your conscience? I know why you did this. You know we have put our trust in the Lord. Your justice is full of hypocrisy. No, he said, we're very objective. Is this a display of your objectivity? The Lord Jesus suffered a great deal and was even killed, and he forgave them. Do you think because I am a believer I will not forgive you? He asked with surprise, You are a believer? Yes, you knew about me. I am positive that because I am a believer, you have done this to my children. I want you to know we're not ashamed of our faith in the Lord. You can be sure that forever we will be believers in the Lord. Even when great troubles came our way, we remained in Israel, our country. After I finished speaking, he said, What can I do for you? For me, nothing. What you can do is for yourself, for your children, and for the pupils in your school. As the director, you can follow the truth which is in the Lord. Do not be a hypocrite and let your mind change like the wind. Be strong in faith, and the Lord will show you what to do how to give education and equality of rights to the children with no discrimination, he said to me. I am ashamed. I promise you what is past belongs in the past. It will not happen again in the future. He was interested in knowing how I came to the Lord. I was delighted to give him my testimony. No one had ever before told this man about the Lord. This was, for me, more important than all the trips to Europe.
Don't forget to order your copy of Not to the Strong. It's really a great book. You can purchase it at foiradio.org, or you can call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Write to us at FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Again, that's FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallione, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. <laughs>